Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts. Y'all know what time it is. Time for much less detail. The podcast here with you live on a Wednesday night, October the 11th, 2017. I'm Dre. He's Jay. Breaking down week five in the NFL. And I already sent out the message that we're breaking down week four. So I've already screwed up and we haven't barely started the show yet. So I'm off to a rip-roaring start. We're breaking down week five in the NFL, getting ready for week six coming up this weekend. We have Thursday night action, Eagles and Panthers in the battle of two four and one teams that we will get that pick in at the end of our live show. As Jay likes to say, this one, it goes to 11. I'm live from 10 central to 11 central and then an after show after that. Uh, but first, we have to lick our wounds at our four and eight week five. Uh, Jay, you were waiting for me to drop the ball and, and have one of those crappy weeks. You said you you knew I had it in me, and I certainly did. The problem is you matched me right there, same exact record. Yeah, see the issue. This is where this is where I actually took a little bit of an issue of your write up for the show. I have room for error because I'm. You know, I've I've been playing with mediocrity all year. You're you are ascending to such a height that four and eight pulls you down so much farther than it pulls me. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm just I'm just in this quest for where we normally are. I'm just in this quest for five hundred. Where when you when you were sitting in that rarefied air where you were sitting at four and eight does a lot more damage to to you than it does to me uh, right now. So I'm okay with well, it. Statistics are very malleable, and you can bend them and shape them whichever way you want. So I wasn't looking at it as how much farther it brought my percentage down for the year, which is how we determine our point system for the playoffs. Instead, I was just looking at the sheer number of games ahead of you that I was, which didn't change. So in that respect, you didn't gain any ground. So I'm I'm choosing to look at it that way. Well, of course you're going to look at it that way, because that's the way that works better for you. But since Yes. We don't actually play the game that way. Hello? Hello? Erm? <laughs> Hello? Playing the long game. You right. play to win the game. So, got to play the long game, right? So, yeah, I, I had a chance. Actually, this with the way this week went, I don't think either one of us had a chance. No, it was uh, quite the week. Uh, and as some things happened that I don't, quite know how to put my finger on it, but some other things happened that I was like, okay, I, I see how that broke down. I see what's going on. Uh, how did it break for you? How, how do you see uh, week five or what stood out to you? Well, that we uh, clearly didn't have our fingers on the pulse of some of these teams. Um, that we, we, you know, There were a lot of you know, outcomes that when you go back and you watch you know, the highlights or what we saw the game, you can be like, well, yeah, yeah, now that makes sense. Uh, if 
few of them that really stood out to me. I don't know, you know, it's tough to pick where to start, but I would, I'd have to say the one that really stood out to me was that Detroit Carolina game. Probably not that's the funny, one that's where I was going to start, but Oh, um, mainly because Cam Newton looked healthy. Yeah. It's exactly. zip on his throws. Uh, Cam Newton looked like Cam Newton again and up and down throughout that entire game. I thought that the Carolina Panthers just out physicaled the Detroit Lions. They just pushed them around for the whole game. And the Detroit Lions also forgot how to tackle. That was a, a stunning display of poor tackling through that entire game by the Lions. Uh, they were, the, the Panthers were taking check down passes to the running back and turning them into huge gainers. And, you know, you saw Jonathan Stewart and Christian McCaffrey, and you saw these guys weaving their way through almost the entire Lions team on defense. Um, and then you coupled that on top of the fact that Cam Newton looked steady in his throws. He didn't now, he did have guys wide open, <laughs> but he didn't, didn't happen as many times as it happened against New England. But there was a, there was a little extra oomph on his throws. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if maybe he perhaps has worked through his injuries here through the, through the beginning of the season, because that was a different effort from Carolina than, uh, than I've seen so far. Yeah, that's exactly how I observed it. That's exactly where I wanted to start was that uh, to make the announcement that if anyone was wondering if Cam Newton is still unhealthy and still not playing up to uh, his potential and the way he's supposed to play, I'm here to tell you, he's just fine. Um, this is, the game that I got to watch uh, the entire game uh, on my DVR is of course I was not in uh, Memphis or not at home when this, these games are taking place on Sunday. Of course I was at my cousin's wedding, which was a very beautiful ceremony and a very lit reception. Uh, but I got to come home and watch this entire game. And that's absolutely what stood out to me was Cam Newton is back and the Panthers are double tough if Cam Newton is going to play the way that he's capable of playing. And he mixed everything in. It wasn't just that he had extra oomph on his ball because from what I had observed, he had to have too much oomph on his ball uh, last pretty much the entire season uh, as if he were trying to prove to everybody that he was extra strong and he was just fine, but he really wasn't. It was the touch that he had on his passes in this game that stood out to me against the Detroit Lions. Uh, specifically, that beautiful play action on third and one where he floats it to uh, a wide open Ed Dixon for 57 yards. There was nobody around Ed Dixon. And that's so easy for someone like Cam Newton to put way too much on that ball and, and wind up throwing it away or make the catch much more difficult for Dixon where he couldn't just catch it and go and stride up the field. He floated it in there perfectly so that Dixon could catch it like a feather and keep running and turn right up the field with it, had the entire defense fooled. Uh, in addition to that, he had the, the strong throws as well. Uh, he had play action flowing all night long. He had Detroit going all the way to the right and, and rolling left. And that's probably because quarterbacks really aren't supposed to be uh, throwing while running left. So I, I guess I don't blame the Lions for flowing that direction. But I guess that's just showing how healthy Cam was. He kept running that play action to the right and spinning off to the left and, and getting throws off with touch and 
accuracy. And if he needed some oomph on it, he got some oomph on it. Uh, Cam pretty much played the entire game, short game, long game, medium game. Uh, he, he's a special player. I think we all know he's a special player from that MVP season he had a couple of years ago, but it's been so long since we've seen him play like a special player. And that's exactly what he did uh, in Detroit on Sunday. Yeah, he still had his usual Cam Newton moments. He got folded up a couple of times pretty ugly on some sacks. Um, I, I, he didn't necessarily stick his neck into trouble um, like we've been used to seeing. So that was nice to see. But they, did, they didn't really need it in this game. And no. this was one where we were, you know, we I believe we were both on the losing side on this one. Uh, I believe we were both sitting on Detroit, especially after – that start to the season that the Panthers had had and just how easy it was for everybody to this point to move the ball against new England. So nobody takes that. Everybody takes that with a, with a great assault. Now it doesn't mean anything to gash the uh, Patriots defense. Well, at least it didn't up until what they uh, did to Tampa Bay on Thursday night in our, in our bookended week of pushes. I don't know if we've ever had that before. I don't know if we've ever started and finished the week before with a push. Um, that was a rarity. But, yeah, Carolina, that's funny that that was what you wanted to talk about, and that was the one thing that really jumped off at me was how much more improved that they look. Now, the record makes them look much better than they are, uh, or at least than they had played, because they won some very ugly games early. But they did. But once again, Detroit – all those lions, they just can't beat good teams. No, Again. they can. You, you take much glee in pointing that out very often, but it's true. Yes, it's true. They they do yep. not step up to the plate when when it matters the most. Uh, but yeah, Carolina. Uh, not only Cam Newton being back, but then those big wide receivers making possession catches to move the chains and the lions just couldn't stop. It was like uh, a high schooler with a, with a third grader hanging on his leg, like get off me little boy. It was just over and over again. They just kept pulling the ball in and the lions couldn't stop it. So if the, if the Panthers offense is going to do that and the defense is, is going to stay pretty much what they've been, which is sturdy and steady up front uh, with a little leakage and back, but they're used to that by, by this point, I guess. But uh, if they're, now, if that office is going to bounce back the way that it's looking right now, they're going to be very formidable. And Christian McCaffrey hasn't even gotten going yet. He's supposed to be their feature back with, with Jonathan Stewart as the change of pace. But he uh, McCaffrey hasn't gotten rolling yet in the NFL. It's It happens sometimes. You come in as a rookie, you don't really get the feel of, of how fast the game is and how strong the game is and it's going to take you it doesn't take some guys it takes a game some guys it takes half a season some guys it takes longer than that so we'll see if McCaffrey ever turns it around but that's another sort of lurking weapon for them if, if he gets it turned around as well but all of a sudden the Panthers look extremely dangerous well they look more dangerous I mean and, you know that that's that's what matters is that they've got the record now to somewhat back up their records so far, you know, to what they've, they've done. They, they looked good in that game, but that's the exception so far. So let's see, let's see if they can keep it going. Um, you know, yes, I do love to pile on the lions for not being able to really step up against good teams, 
but I believe that makes them 0-3 now this year <laughs> against, against good teams. The counter's ticking, guys. Jays keep they it just, up with it. Yeah, that's going back to last season now. That's not a good trend that you want to have being um, almost exclusively bum slayers. Yeah, that sure seems to be what they are. Uh, I did not get a chance. I put it in my re- in my little write-up, but I didn't really get a chance to see too much of uh, Joe Flacco's uh, performance against the uh, Oakland Raiders. Uh, obviously, I know that the the Ravens went to Oakland and, and beat the hell out of EJ Manuel and the Raiders. Uh, yeah. But I, maybe I'll get around to finding some of that tape later on in the week. But I don't know if you've seen any of it either. But that was the other quarterback that looked like at the beginning of the season looked like he wasn't anywhere near what he used to be. And the big question was, is he ever going to return to to what he had been before? Because if he isn't, then that team was dead in the water. Uh, but they got some wins as well early in the season based on their defense. And now if Flacco is anywhere near coming back around, then all of a sudden the Ravens might also be dangerous. No, well, this one it's tough to tell because that team is still plotting and slow and methodical. And they'd fit really good in 1982, that Ravens team. I don't know how well that what they're trying to do is going to translate to a whole season full of success, but that division is clearly up in the air. I mean, we, we, we don't, we don't know, uh, you know, with, with Pittsburgh, uh, what, what we're getting from them from week to week. Uh, that's two really ugly uh, efforts from them in a row. Really ugly. Um, the Ravens, I, the Ravens did what I expected them to do. This was one of the few that I actually came out on the right side of. Uh, I, I didn't have any faith in EJ Manuel. Uh, although you accurately told EJ Manuel what to do, which is just chuck it up to Michael Crabtree. But other than that play, yeah. other than him throwing the ball to Crabtree, they had nothing. Yeah. Um, and, and so, the, you know, the the Ravens didn't have to do a lot in that game. They were going up against, again, an Oakland team without their, without their best player, without their quarterback. Um, it seems like Derek, you know, Derek Carr is going to sort of drive that, uh, thing to the playoffs if they're going to have a chance of getting there. So they need to get him back as fast as they can because I don't know how how deep they're going to go with EJ Manuel here. So I think that's just the Ravens catching the Raiders at the right time more than anything. And the Ravens coming in with the worst passing attack in the league, with the, yeah. that's how bad Joe Flacco has been playing. You really get helped out a lot when you come in with the worst pass attack in the league, but then you get a, a bunch of running behind you and the other team decides to lay the ball down a lot. Uh, right in front of you. That really helps yeah. a lot when you can't throw the ball. Exactly. So the the, the teams that they they definitely benefited. Um, they benefited from that, and the other team that benefited greatly from that was uh, Jacksonville. <laughs> you want to talk about? Wow. Yeah. Once again, we're waiting for that <laughs> wellness check from from Bryce because. What 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 Ben did, what Roethlisberger did in that game was just—I mean, there were some. Yeah, you can make the excuses. A couple of the balls were tipped, but some of those throws were just downright awful. So a couple of them were just right to the Jacksonville players, and yeah. they gave the Jaguars. That was a close game into the third quarter, but then they just gave the Jaguars enough 
so that Blake Bortles didn't have to beat them. And then once that defense gave the, you know, gave the offense the lead, then it was just the Leonard Fournette show and forget it. That's clearly the way Jacksonville is going to win games. Get a lead and run that thing out. And that's exactly what they did. And it's funny, the Raiders and the uh, Steelers had similarities in their losses with the quarterbacks turning the ball over. And they also had some differences uh, with the Raiders. Derek Carr wouldn't have stopped Mike Wallace from streaking down the sidelines. There's nothing he can do about that. That's the, the old Raiders. The, the reason I've always hated the Raiders, at least at the last couple of years, uh, is that defensive backfield is just atrocious and, and continues to be. And as far as Pittsburgh goes, uh, the Jacksonville defense is capable of this kind of effort, which is why we both had them in the playoffs. So that part of it isn't necessarily all that surprising. Five picks of Big Ben in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's surprising. But in general, a good defensive effort by the Jaguars. I think it's something we're not used to, to thinking that that's what they're capable of, but they're capable of that. Uh, absolutely. Every now and then the Jaguars are capable of a huge defensive effort. But uh, as far as the Steelers, uh, they they look like they're in trouble. I think uh, Roethlisberger doubting himself after the game and saying that maybe I don't have it anymore and reports of uh, unrest between the coaching staff and the players and as far as that goes, question, uh, Pittsburgh questioning uh, the players, questioning the coaching decisions and the and the strategies and the game plan. Look, Jacksonville was giving up 5.7 yards per carry coming into that game. The game plan should not be Ben Roethlisberger throwing 55 motherfucking balls. The game plan should be Le'Veon Bell running 55 times if you're going to do anything 55 times. So if I'm the Steelers, I'm questioning the game plan too. I know Mike Tomlin's got all sorts of, of you know, veteran cachet, and he's been around forever. And I know Todd Haley is supposed to be one of those offensive genius guys, but I don't blame them for questioning the game plan. How do you not get Le'Veon Bell more involved in the offense? Uh, it's a mystery to me. It's a complete mystery. And I sense some panic in that team in that second half when that was still, you know, a 13 to 9 or a 20 to 9 game, and they went exclusively to the air. Like into the strength of that Jacksonville defense, which is their pass rush and that back end. I mean, they are extremely strong in the in the secondary. That's a very good defensive team at the second level and at the third level. And if you put them in all three levels against the pass, you know, those yeah. those swarming, hard hitting, fast defenses, but you where they struggle, those light, fast defenses is they tend to struggle against the run. We see that with Atlanta. We see that now with Jacksonville, although Jacksonville is a, a step up in class from that Atlanta defense, but it's the same thing. You can you can gas them if you beat them up. And I don't know what, yeah, the, what the Steelers were around. doing going. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing going exclusively to the, to the aerial attack. Le'Veon Bell wasn't having a terrible game. He wasn't just getting stuffed. There, there were holes and there were opportunities, but it was like a, the the Steelers had this almost like overreaction to what we're losing to them at home. <laughs> no, oh no, to have, have Ben Roethlisberger just throw us back into the game all by himself, and it just the, the balls were being forced. The Jaguars, even if they couldn't get home, were tipping balls. There were quite a few tip balls in this game. Uh, one of them resulted in a pick six. Just not a not a good effort, and that I, I believe 
Uh, is that two in a row? Was that Bears and this back to back? No, the the they had one in between where Nine. they won. In between, they uh, knocked off the Ravens uh, after right. Baltimore came back from that right. London trip. Yeah, so two out of three now. So they lose at Chicago, which 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 we can which we can understand. They, you know, we we both had the Bears covering that one. We we saw that as sort of being a trap, and for the Steelers, anyways. And yeah, they beat the Ravens, which tough division game. But, yeah, they have Jacksonville come in there, and Jacksonville has been just brutal on the road to have Jacksonville come in there and, and, and do that. And, and it, like I said, this game was close. So it wasn't that Jacksonville came in there, and it looked like it in the score, if you just look at the box score, that Jacksonville dominated this game. This was not just Jacksonville domination until it got out of hand late. What this was was Pittsburgh allowing Jacksonville to hang around, let them play with a little more confidence, let them keep that lead, keep turning the ball over, and then eventually Jacksonville just put them away. Uh, but it wasn't just this out-and-out blowout like the scoreboard would have indicated. Yeah, if you're going to panic and say that Big Ben has to throw us back in it, you'd want to do that in a season in which Big Ben and his receivers actually seem to be on the same page, which has not been the case so far this year. Uh, he and Antonio Brown have that hookup, but even that's not quite what it has been in the in the past. It's not all the way there yet. And Ben and the other receivers are not on the same page at all right now. So for, for them to sort of panic, like you said, and just throw Le'Veon Bell into the, into the trash can and say, we just got to win it on Big Ben's arm right now. Uh, the Steelers got what they deserved, and they're getting all that they deserve right now with all the second guessing that's going on with them. Because I, I don't understand that game plan at all. Yeah, I mean, the, the real early on, right away in the beginning of that game, Roethlisberger hit Antonio Brown up the right sideline for like 54, 50 some odd yard gain on just a deep ball pass, and it seemed like that they just thought that that was just going to be there for them all game long. What was Missed on that play was one of the most obvious, blatant offensive pass interference calls that didn't get called that I've ever seen, where where Antonio Brown just literally shoves himself off of the division. They always look for the arm extension. He got all the way extended. He Yeah, he was running even with the Jacksonville defender, pretty much just puts the arm up right on the shoulder and just shoves the guy. He's got the full-on Heisman pose going on down the field. <laughs> And, you know, and, and nobody bothers to point this out. The the crew covering the game is just, oh, Antonio Brown, Antonio. Oh boy, and you're watching that. Just it's like, okay, that was one of the most blatant offensive pass interference calls. I mean, I've seen worse. I mean, better. You know, I've seen less called offensive oh, yeah. pass interference than something that obvious. But Obviously, in your home building, superstars, they're not going to get that call. They're not going to get that flag thrown on them. But, yeah, it was, it was pretty blatant. And it set the tone early that it was going to be there. And it just kept not being there because a lot of the, these deep balls that Ben was trying to force in there were all getting picked. Yeah, and as far as the Jags go, I keep reading rumors and reports that they need to put together some package to get uh, – so such and such veteran struggling quarterback so that they can have somebody that's actually representative of the quarterback position other than Blake Bortles, because I think a lot of people see the the potential 
that the Jaguars have to have a really good all-around team if they just get a mediocre quarterback. Because right now, Blake Bortles isn't even playing mediocre. He's just bad. And I don't know if any of these deals are going to come through, but when you think about the veteran quarterbacks that are starting to not be in the playoff picture any longer, I've seen something about Carson Palmer. I've seen something about Eli Manning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I understand that they're not exactly, you know, neither one of those are going to happen. Neither one of those are probably not going to happen. Uh, but I guess I was just bringing up the point that they would be a sight lot better than Blake Bortles if they did happen. So I can understand the the rumors and the, the reason for bringing up the rumors. But yeah, it's highly unlikely to, for any of those deals to happen. But it's just it's almost heartbreaking to watch the Jaguars, how much potential they have now that they have the franchise running back, now that the defense is coming together the way it has been potentially put together. And it's, it does seem like the only thing holding them back is getting somebody behind center that has a clue what they're doing at the quarterback position. Yeah, you know, a po- point of order here for the uh, Steelers defensive coaches. If anyone, if any one of them happen to be listening, uh, I would love to have them call in. Area code <laughs> 646-595-4534. Steelers defensive coaches, please give me a call. Let me know. What the hell defense were you running on that Leonard Fournette 90-yard touchdown run? I'd like to know. Uh, they probably would like to know, too. I mean, the Jaguars are in jumbo formation. They're just trying to run out the clock. I don't know what the Steelers were trying to do. They try, Did Mike Holmgren become the coach of the Steelers? Oh. Let, let him score. Let him score out of the way. You know, what was that? I, Every I angle I've seen that play from, it it was pretty much just a you know power, you know power left, and, and the, again the announcers is they they must have had like the not the A or the B or the C or the D crew on this game. They, they whoever CBS it was that had this game must not have had their they didn't bring the A team. I'll tell you that. Just talking about look at the awesome run by Leonard Fournette. I don't think he got touched. He ran through a hole and then just blazed away with his speed because the Steelers got completely caught unaware. I really want to know what that defensive play call was. Keith Butler, Steelers defensive coordinator, you've been put on blast. Jay Jay wants to know what the hell defense were you guys in trying to stop Leonard Fournette? (laughs) Yeah, that was was the, the let them score defense. I mean, I don't know what that was. That late in the game, you're not trying. I mean, you're just you can't let them do that. You're only down by two touchdowns at that point. What are you doing? I, I do not know. Uh, so the most entertaining game of the weekend, and uh, the one that we thought would be the most entertaining, is probably uh, the the Chiefs and the Texans. Or would you say, I guess maybe the Packers Cowboys was more entertaining had to pick I'm going to go with the Chiefs and the Texans because it was something different and there were there were some real storylines there you know we we actually got what we were looking for in that game from the Houston Texans which was sort of the 
coming out party in prime time for Deshaun Watson. He goes goes off for five touchdowns, and it's still not enough to beat Andy Reid no. and Alex Smith and those Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this just in, uh, the <laughs> Chiefs are pretty good. Chiefs, are, Chiefs aren't too bad. They're not bad. They're not bad. Now, there was uh, there was a lot to, to dig into in that game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, of course, most of those Houston points comes later on uh, because the Chiefs were playing such a, a they, they they played a game where they had all the offensive innovation and weird angles and weird geometry that Andy Reid is known for. They got they got the big lead because of that stuff. The Texans actually fight back and get back in the game. It appeared that the Chiefs, I guess, took their foot off the pedal a little bit and went to a more vanilla, more traditional offense. And then once Houston got back within a possession, they decided to go right back to the the weirdness and the craziness and, and the trick plays and stuff like that to open it back up again. It's like they opened up the big box of tricks, they shut it down, and then they open it back up again if they... If they need to go to back to the box of tricks, then they know how to go back to the box. And then it's that's what really makes a, a team really scary to me is when they know how good they are, when they know how innovative they are, that they can shut it down and, and go vanilla trying to sort of run out the clock. And if you let them do that, then that's fine. They'll just leave with the win like that. But the Texans didn't let them get away with a win like that. They actually mounted a comeback and got some big explosive plays from Deshaun Watson to get back in that game and make it really, really close and sort of tantalize me uh, and you. We both had the Texans and tantalizing and thinking that, oh, they might actually go all the way back. They might actually get this thing. And then there goes jet sweeps and uh, punt returns and uh, all sorts of explosive plays. But the, the Chiefs just have – they have it in spades. They have speed. They have creativity. They have uh, heady, steady play from the quarterback position, sort of running the show, Alex Smith directing traffic. They they really do have it all right now on offense, uh, and I'm not sure who's going to stop them. They're, our, they're the last undefeated team. They're 5-0, and and I don't know who's going to beat them anytime soon. Yeah, they do seem to be fairly, fairly complete. Um, and Alex Smith, again, defying all of his critics, making – accurate deep throws um which which is i never really thought was his problem i always thought it was maybe the system that he was in but he, anytime he's been asked to throw deep he shows he can do it uh i have to say my favorite play of the week was the punt return t- touchdown by tyreek hill where he used his his own guy for leverage um <laughs> to create the separation i mean we talk about the push off at antonio brown where you know, you watch two guys running together, and then all of a sudden they're seven yards apart. Mm, how'd that happen? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the Tyreek Hill actually leans into one of his guys in, that, that's escorting him down the field and just shoves himself off of the dude towards the sideline to give himself the separation to go the rest of the way. And I was just, it, was, it was very fun to watch um, him just bob and weave, and then finally at that moment when he needs the explosion – uses his own guy's leverage to give him that extra space and separation to go all the way for the touchdown. Just very, very well-played game. I'll tell you a thing about Deshaun Watson that I like, because uh, everybody always wants to lump 
uh, you know, especially these up-and-coming college quarterbacks and guys with a little bit of speed. Everybody wants to focus on the fact that these guys are runners. I don't see a runner. I see a quarterback. RG3, Colin Kaepernick might want to be taking notes. When Deshaun Watson breaks contain, he's just looking for home runs. I love that. He he gets out of the pocket. He's scrambling around in the pocket or something breaks down. He basically is out there doing the Russell Wilson thing, except with a cannon arm. And I I absolutely appreciated the explosive playmaking ability that wasn't just him taking off for a 12-yard run so he could get concussed. If he got out of the pocket or things broke down, he was looking to create some havoc in the secondary, and it was working out for him for the better in most occasions because it helps when you have Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, those kind of guys running down the field for you. So I liked what I saw to Deshaun Watson in that game. The first time that he bought. Oh yeah. He can throw the first, first time that he bought some time uh, to make a play would be uh, to get the first touchdown of the game for Houston. When they were down 23 to six, they went for it on fourth and one and he rolled out, bought some time and found Will, uh, Will Fuller for that first touchdown, the nine yarder. Um, and then from there, it seemed like his confidence sort of built and he started rolling out. And like you said, looking for the home run balls and getting a lot of those downfield. Uh, it was it was fun watching them go back and forth for a while like that. Uh, deep flings to, to Fuller over Terrence Mitchell, a uh, 48-yarder, just excellent uh, exclu- uh, elusiveness. Uh, by Deshaun Watson, and a hell of a throw. Uh, like you said, that arm seems to be uh, a top-notch arm. It's not just a guy running around with his like a chicken with his head cut off. Uh, and that's the one that got them to the, within 26 to 20. And you're thinking, uh-oh, here we go. We, we got a comeback uh, in our hands. Uh, it's only because of uh, Alex Smith in Kansas City and Andy Reid coming back and, and working the left side of the field and, and just getting huge chunks of yards that way. Uh, that's the reason why the Chiefs were able to come back and put it away. But, uh, yeah, once – and we saw that uh, against the, the Titans in the pretty much from the first quarter on, but here in the, in the second half, once Deshaun Watson gets some confidence and once Bill O'Brien sees that this guy's got some confidence, it's on. It's on. They just start calling everything in the playbook, and they just start looking for big-time home run balls, and they start looking for for chunk plays, and they can get it. They can they can absolutely get it. So the the question becomes consistency. Will he in the future be able to put together those types of plays and those types of drives earlier in the game, uh, and not have to wait until the second half? Uh, because the first half, the the Chiefs defense did a nice job of containing them. And uh, you got to give them credit for that. Um, and also it helps that the Chiefs offense is able to stay on the field because on the very first drive of the game, Whitney Merciless tears his peck and J.J. Watt snaps his leg. And when you can have that happen to two of the better defenders on your opponent right there in the first drive of the game, that's certainly going to make things easier the rest of the night. Yeah, that's the sort of the, the long-term negative here for the Texans. I don't know. How do they recover defensively from losing their two best defensive players? That's 
That's um, going to be a tall order. It really is going to put a lot more and Lamar uh, Houston is how they're yeah. going to try to recover. It's going to put a little bit of pressure, a little bit of pressure on that Houston offense. Um, again, though, bad division, very winnable. Um, that you know they could they can get out. I, I hate to. I guess I can't call it a bad division anymore. I mean Tennessee, Jacksonville, and Houston. They're they're all kind of there. I mean, every, everybody's kind right. of muddling around. It's kind of just like last year. It's going to feel just like last year, I think. Except this time we have Jacksonville in the mix too. Or last year, I think it was the the Colts by some miracle who we had muddling around. And you know, the Colts I, I apparently are never going to get Andrew Luck back. By what it seems, this is just going to be an ongoing the, the Jake Brisket uh, experiment, uh, which is. Yeah, jury's still out on that, you know, but better than what they had, I guess, was what we could say about the Jake Brisket experience down there in Indy. But yeah, long term, this is not, not going to bode well for the for the Super Bowl aspirations, at least your Super Bowl aspirations for the Houston Texans. Yeah, that really blows for somebody that thought the Texans were going to go a long, long way is when you take two other better defenders, their best defend, defender, one of the all-time best defenders of his generation in J.J. Watt is going to have another lost season uh, and merciless and, and underrated uh, pass-rushing linebacker. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's really tough to lose both of those guys, but I, I still don't want to count the Texans completely out. There's so much talent still there on defense, and the coaching uh, with Mike Vrabel running the show, uh, I, I guess I got confidence that they're still going to be right there. Maybe not uh, a 12-win team or 11-win team or anything like that, but uh, they absolutely should still be there at the end. And they won't need to be a 12-team, a 12-win team to get into the playoffs, not out of that division. I mean, 10 might do it. So from what we've seen out of the other two, you know, a lot of inconsistency between the Texans, Titans, and Jaguars. But if I had to say who's the most consistent out of those three, so far it's been it's been Houston. Now that they're especially now that they're done with the Tom Savage experience. Right. Uh, oh. If you if you don't count the first half of the season, yeah. they absolutely have been. So that sort of overshadows just another whole hum Aaron Rodgers in the last minute ripping the heart out of the Dallas Cowboys. And a big going, return just for going to work. Devontae. Big return for Devontae Adams uh, in that game, uh, coming all the way back from that nasty hit on Thursday night to not just play but score the game-winning touchdown. Uh, big running back show by your boy Aaron Jones. You talked him up a little I bit believe, in the last show. I believe I had that one. <laughs> and when I, when I deemed him the, the, the most, uh, what, running back worthy running back on that team, I do believe. And that was quite the effort. Uh, that was like that was like five Ty Montgomery games all in one <laughs> for Aaron Jones. Uh, no, the kid looked good. Uh, it was 122, 125 yards on a re- very respectable average. I was very happy to see the Packers may have found, at least here for the short term, some stability at the running back position. And hey. Look at what their offense does. Their offense goes off. Problem is their defense was being gotten off on as much as their offense was. And it turns out that, as Troy Aikman predicted, 
The Cowboys just left Aaron Rodgers too much time. Yeah, yeah, I guess they did, as it turned out. And if you're an observer of the Cowboys' defense, then that's easy to come to that conclusion because yeah. you know that they're not exactly stopping anybody when it comes to last-minute because they don't Because they don't have Sean Lee. Oh, of course. The inspirational leader, Sean Lee, once again missing. So there you go. Two woeful defensive outings in a row at home for the Dallas Cowboys, and the common denominator is – Sean Lee was missing from both of those games. There you go. Problem solved. Maybe Chris Collinsworth really is onto something here. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, if you listen to, the, to him and, and Al Michaels, yeah, Sean Lee is the linchpin of the entire franchise. If you, if you go by <laughs> yeah, without him, the whole thing falls apart. And look at that. Back-to-back home, home losses, back-to-back weeks against the Rams and the Packers. Did they give up – is it just me or did they – was it 70 they've given up in the last two games? That would be 35 to Green Bay. And, and was that 35 to L.A.? I believe that was. 35 yeah, back weeks. They put up 30. The, the Cowboys put up 30 yeah. in each of those games themselves and still managed to lose. Yeah. They, yeah. So I'm not putting this one on Dak Prescott or Ezekiel Elliott or the offensive court. No, no, no. You cannot be giving up 35 points in back-to-back weeks at home and expect positive results. That's that's a recipe for disaster. Well, yeah, that Aaron Rodgers. Another... Uh, yeah, that was. That was. What was I say? That was one of the ones that you got over on me, which very easily could have gone either way. Yeah, back and back and forth, but Rogers having that experience at the end to to win those games late, he just knows how to do it, I guess, especially against the Cowboys. Yeah, I think that you know, there's just something special about beating the Cowboys. Everybody just loves doing it. <laughs> it it's so easy. It's so easy to love beating the Cowboys. I, I I can only imagine how the players feel going through it. I know as a fan, there's no fan base more insufferable than the Dallas Cowboys fans. That's just, oh. And I, and I have to deal with a bunch of them at my job, so maybe that's the problem is that there's so many of them at my work. Which it, I'm working in Tennessee, which isn't anywhere near Dallas, Texas, but yet there's all these Cowboys fans. Um, I, I got a slight bit more insight as to why there's so many Cowboys fans. It's not just that they're winners and Everyone here is front runners when they didn't have a, an NFL team in Tennessee for all those many years. It's also that Dallas was, I guess, close enough to the area that that was most of the time was the the, the radio game that they got to listen to was uh, was Cowboys football on the radio. I, I think the signal was such that they were able to listen to all the Cowboys games, and that's also a part of why Memphis, Tennessee, for some unknown reason, is, is seems to be Cowboys country. Yeah, I mean, geographically, we've talked about this before. Geographically, they're not that far away when you compare, you know, that's just sort of equal distant driving-wise from a lot of NFL towns. You know, you're five to six hours away about from, what, four, you know, from four areas there. you got Atlanta, New Orleans, uh, Dallas, and St. Louis. They're all about the same distance, kind of, maybe within an hour, hour and a half of each other from, from Memphis, so... Very easy to gravitate towards the Cowboys, just given 
you know, they're the oldest, I believe, of all those franchises. In St. Louis, that's so hard to tell because that that's the well, which is it the Cardinals or is it the Rams or <laughs> that was nobody. Um, yeah. Saints and the Falcons. Saints and the Falcons, a little bit more, you know, recent additions. I mean, those you know, Saints and the Falcons, I believe, were from the '60s. I know the Falcons were '66. Saints couldn't have been too far behind, or maybe around even around the same time. So. I, I could see, I could see Dallas probably for the longest time was the best, closest option. It's like kind of how growing up in Chicago, we had all these idiot Notre Dame fans, like because it was the closest <laughs> good, it was the closest good college, right? Yeah, yeah you certainly weren't going to root for the, the, the Illini, right? Other than small periods when you had like DePaul basketball or. Uh, Northwestern, like in 98, where they finally got good play. And then all of a sudden, everybody was bandwagon jumping, and they were really on to the college team. But no, in Chicago, you just have a lot of Notre Dame fans. You know, even though it's in Indiana, they have a lot of Notre Dame A lot of Chicagoans in in, in Notre Dame. Certainly a lot of Notre Dame alum in the Chicago area. There's no doubt about it. And probably... uh, the same amount as like Michigan uh, alumni. When you talk about the the good schools in, in the Midwest, a, a lot of them are going to be in Chicago because Chicago is, of course, the biggest city uh, in the Midwest. So it's, it, it stands to reason that Notre Dame grads are going to work in Chicago. Michigan grads are going to work in Chicago. Cause you're not going to stay in, in Michigan and Indiana. There's, there's, there's no, there's no future there. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if that was necessarily an alumni thing, though. I think that was, hey, they're the closest good team and they have a good history. I, I see that sort of same sort of analogy with Memphis and Dallas there. Cowboys have all the history and they have the lineage and they're good. So it's very easy to gravitate towards that. Plus, there's a, there's that, I don't know, not, I never really spent a lot of time down in Memphis area during what would have been the football season, but I've got a suspicion that they probably got a lot of Cowboys games because of the market ability of the, of the Cowboys. You probably got a lot of the, yeah, lot of the local yeah. games. Yeah. A lot of the local games you were getting down there were probably Cowboy games. No, I can see that as well. Yeah. That's why there's Cubs fans all over the country because of WGN. Well, that's a whole superstition thing. That's a, yeah. A little different, but similar. Uh, but it was, the, it was the accessibility, you know. When you look at the, yeah. I love it when you look at the broadcast maps that they put out for the games with the local, like like anybody actually has like regular TV anymore. But they put the broadcast map out. You'll get like some of the games are only going to be covered very small geographical area of the market that they're in, and then everybody else is going to get that nationally broadcasted game. And that, for a lot of people, many times is going to be the Cowboys. Yeah, that's true. No. Just a little Chicago, theory. We didn't, Chicago, we didn't know too much about that because we're getting Chicago games. The same time that the Cowboys are playing, the Bears are playing, we're always going to get the Chicago games. So. Right. But no, absolutely. In other, in other parts of the country, it's going to be, the, like you said, you know, 80% of the country is going to get the Cowboy game. So, yeah, I, I see that. Yeah, especially given uh, the proximity of Dallas. Dallas and Memphis aren't that far apart. I guess they're not, but it's just that 
when I ask so many of these people, oh, you're a huge Cowboys fan. You ever, you ever even been to Dallas? Have you ever been even been to the state of Texas? <laughs> so many of them are like, well, no, but but they're still my team. Go Cowboys! Like, oh, shut up. See, at least I could say as a Falcons fan who grew up in the Midwest and in the northern upper Midwest, is I yes, I have been to the games. Right. Your uh, Falcons fans actually made the trip down to watch the Atlanta Falcons. Or when they've traveled up, I've gone to see them. I've done that several times. Right. I've seen the Falcons play more in Wisconsin than I've ever seen them play uh, in Atlanta. But that's, yeah, I've been down there three times. I've seen three games down in Atlanta, and I've seen the Falcons play outside of the Georgia Dome. Now, of course, that's the only place I ever saw them play. No, they don't play in the Georgia Dome anymore, people. Um, five or six times at least. I mean, I saw them in St. Louis. Uh, that you know, when Kurt Warner ripped them to shreds right at the beginning of the uh, Greatest Show on Turf era, and I saw them at County Stadium in Milwaukee. There's a little one for you. Uh, saw them at County Stadium, last game ever played in County Stadium by the Packers. I saw them at that game, and then I've seen them at Lambeau three times. So that's five times I've seen the Falcons. So I've seen them play in live eight eight times. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And they have an exceptional um, record. I think they're five and three or six and two. When I've seen them live, their record's actually quite good. They need to pay to get you into more of their games. Then you're the lucky yeah. charm. Well, it's three and zero at home. I, I've, every time, thank God, every time I've taken the trip down to Atlanta, they've won. You hear that, Falcons? You got to pay out the money to move Jay and his family to Atlanta. Make sure you can win all your games. To, they, don't have, they don't have to move me. Just give me, score me some tickets and a, score me some tickets and a ride down. <laughs> I couldn't live in Atlanta. A little too hot for you. Yeah, you don't like my people. My, my, pe- my people aren't made for the heat. <laughs> well, you're definitely not made for the heat. No, I've warmed up to it a little bit. <laughs> oh, very good. That that doesn't even earn the uh, the the Simpsons drop. That, that's just it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't bug me as much as it used to. I, I can deal with it a little bit better now. My advancing years. So our four eight and two for the week shutdown corner guy, he's got it going on this year. Ten three and one for week five. He saw it all apparently. Um, he gets an extra win in there instead of a push because he got Tampa Bay on Thursday night, and he got five and a half points as you were talking about on the last show. That sometimes those lines move and you wind up getting screwed up because of some late movement. So you had Tampa plus five against New England, and that wound up being a push. Uh, but he got yes. five and a half, so so it's good for him. Um, all our picks are always on our blog, and the website for that is in much less detail.blogspot.com. Uh, I am on Twitter at IMLD Dre. Jason is on Twitter at IMLD JTG. Any questions or comments you ever want to send us, you can send that to in much less detail at gmail.com. Of course, you're listening live on blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. You can always come back to the archive tabs on the live show page. If you want to listen to any of our previous shows, 
or if you want to listen to this show as a podcast, there's going to be this live show and an after show after the live portion is over. Come back to the archives and listen to that or sign up on Apple Podcasts or any number of podcasting apps. And when the show is complete and recorded and signed, sealed, and delivered by Blog Talk Radio, then you will get this episode automatically sent to you if you are a subscriber. So what else about uh, this terrible week five of ours uh, did you want to get to? Your lock of the week did not come through. Mine did. No. Had the battling New York locks. I had the Jets and you had the Giants. And, yeah. oh, my God, those Giants are just star-crossed. They're 0-5 with zero – 0-5 with their three top receivers all getting hurt and two of them, like, out for the year – all during the same game. So it's bad enough to go 0-5 and be completely out of any kind of contention of anything, and you lose your best receiver, your best player, and you lose the second best receiver. It's just like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're done. Now, last week at 0-4, you were not quite ready to write off the New York Giants uh I still had hope. Oh, you still had hope? Yes. No, I still had hope last week. Now, yes, I was. My my mouse was literally on the taps button, about to click it when I heard it start playing. So I didn't do that. You you did that. But we both had the exact same idea. Moment of silence. uh, Two weeks. The New York. Two weeks in a row now that the Giants have gotten the taps music. Last week, you declared that that it was premature. It's not premature yeah. anymore. It's They're not dead. premature anymore. Oh my God! They're dead. <laughs> They're dead. We need we need that drop. You have to find that drop. We need the, <laughs> the Joey style. Oh my God! The drop. Yes. <laughs> they are absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. While while we're still in the live show here, uh, I want to talk. Uh, get your feedback on one Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, that Bears game on Monday night. Um, You know, this is getting old. First of all, before I talk about Trubisky, this is getting old hat. When something happens in a Bears game that just makes you, makes your head blow off and you're like, what the hell? What are you doing out here? Uh, So Chicago got down to a, a fourth and two situation early in the game, but they, A, called timeout as the play clock was running out. They wanted yeah. to have the kid go for it, but they had to call timeout. Yeah. And then B, coming back out of the timeout, they get a fucking flag anyway for delay of game because they let the play clock run out again because the punt team ran on first before quickly scurrying back out of What the fuck are you doing out here? What the John Fox is a dead man walking. You can play taps for John Fox after you play the video music. Because that son of a bitch should be dead. There is no reason for you to have your timeout when the play clock is running down, come out of the timeout, and you get and get a delay of game anyway. Like, what yeah. the hell? The, who does that? So that, They should. Me, it, it, honestly, if, if uh, you took that whole sequence with John Fox's reactions and the Bears running it out and off the field, if you sped that up just a little bit and played that to the Benny Hill music, you'd think you were actually watching the Benny Hill show. 
That's what it looked like. All you're missing were uh, was uh, some half naked women running around out there, and it would be uh, an episode of Benny Hill right there for you. <laughs> God, that's three times. Three times this season, the Bears have gotten the Benny Hill music. You fucking clowns! You all of you are just motherfucking clowns. That's all you are. Anyway, I, back to me. I want to just mention real quick before you talk about Trubisky is uh, my take on Trubisky, which is with the announcers, uh, with Gruden and, and the other guy, how how boiled we are for shitty Bears quarterback play, the way that they excited, sounded so excited every time Trubisky did even the most meaningful thing well. Like, he had to completely learn how to take snaps from under center. Oh, he doesn't. He's got guts, that kid. He's take, Oh, my God. <laughs> he's got money. He leads the league in guts. He's taking snaps under center. Look at it. It almost feels like, you know, they're trying to pat him on the head. Oh, yay. He took snaps from under center. Oh, look, he completed a pass. The Bears <laughs> scored two points in the first half. Yeah. Uh. I guess I fell for the hype because at one point uh, in my notes that I, I wrote the following, and I'm going to read it verbatim as I wrote it. Trubisky bootlegs right and zings it to Trey McBride for 18 yards, six for seven with a drop. I'm in love. So there you go. I'm in, I was in love with Mitch Trubisky at one point because that's how impressed I was with his quarterback play. And, yes, it wasn't like he was doing anything earth-shattering but just he could run and throw the ball. He could walk and chew gum at the same time. And for a Bears quarterback, that is awesome. So, yes, I fell for the hype. I fell in love with Mitch Trubisky. I liked a lot of what I saw. There is no denying that in the second half he played like a rookie and lost the game for them, especially with that last throw, just a terrible throw on the run where he got picked up by Harrison Smith to set up the Vikings' game-winning field goal. There's no way I'm going to tell you that that was excusable or, oh, that's just, that's just a kid being a kid. No, it was terrible. It was a terrible decision. That was a rookie play, and you all you can do is hope that he doesn't do stuff like that in the future. But I saw a lot to get excited about, and I fell in love with the kid because he looks like he's going to be, at least based off of one, the sample size of one whole game, a competent NFL quarterback, which Chicago is starring for right now. Fair enough. But you, you did you watch you watch the games? You did get you get that yeah. sense that it was almost. I don't know if it was mocking of <laughs> Trubisky or if they were really just trying to make it sound that interesting. No, they're not mocking. You know, John Gruden absolutely fillets every quarterback oh, in the booth. Yeah, trying, yeah. trying to oh, get them all in his him. camp and all that. Yeah, because he had them all in his quarterback camp, and he's trying to get it off. Right. God. All right. Let's you know how that pick goes. Pick a game here. As I said earlier, two rather impressive records at 4-1 and one between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Carolina Panthers. One of these teams will go to 5-1, and one, and the hype will probably spin out of control for them. Uh, Lane Johnson, the right tackle, will not be playing for the Eagles in this game. Uh, two pretty evenly matched teams, so the spread is pretty Philly as the home as the road team is getting three and a hook. Philadelphia plus three and a half at Carolina on Thursday night. Jason, who you got? Surprised that the line's that big. I'm surprised it actually moved towards Carolina based off the fact that they've only played one game well all season. <laughs> but you know what? I saw enough goodness 
in that game against Detroit. Um, and I really don't like the Eagles at all. I, I'm going to go down with the ship with again, betting against the Eagles. I think this year, they're going to just fuck me all year long. I'm going to take the Panthers and give the three and a hook. Uh, yeah, this I'm not uh, as much, I guess, of a hater of the Eagles uh, as you might be, but at the same time, I just told you earlier how impressed I was by Cam Newton looking like he's all the way back. I'm going to roll with the Panthers. Got to take the home team on the short week. I will take Carolina, give three and a half as well. More on our after show when we come back. And now into our VIP after show program. Yeah, we went from, oh, God, Cam Newton looks like trash. Carolina's doomed. What's going on to now we're all on the Cam Newton and Carolina bandwagon and, and we're all in for the Panthers at the moment. So we'll see how that works out for us. Yeah, I wasn't home for any of the Sunday football. So I only got I got some of that game on the radio. Uh, but the majority of my experience with that game was the sort of like the the extended highlight package, not like the, the the minute and a half NFL network one. It was more of the actual NFL produced uh, more like a nine minute package. So you get a lot of sampling, uh, both good and bad of, of, of the game. And I really liked um, the improvement that I saw out of Carolina, especially after a couple of those stinkers that they had earlier in the season where I mean, again, Newton was just missing dudes wide open. He blew me a, a threw a cover for me. Earlier this year, missing yeah. a wide-open uh, dude in the end zone in one of the games. Um, and then I wasn't even impressed with what I saw out of them against New England just from based on the fact that his throws were all wobbly and off-balance, but the guys were just there was so nobody covering them. Yeah, when nobody's yeah. covering anybody, it's more of the receiver adjusting to where the ball is going than actual quarterback accuracy at that point. Um, so it was a world change a total change from what I saw from the first four games and what I saw in that game against Detroit out of Cam Newton, Um, you know, hitting guys that were not only open, but hitting them with authority. And like you said that they like that lob pass, which again, the, the technical difficulty of the pass was fairly high, but he was throwing to a man who was the only guy on his half of the field. Ground him. Yeah. Nobody was around yeah. him. Yeah, the, the first uh, two and a half quarters of that game were pretty much the addiction show. They were Detroit dominant. had no answers. Detroit had no answers for Ed Dixon. I don't know why but, you would think coming into that game that you would need to have an answer for Ed Dixon, but sure enough, yeah. there was Ed Dixon just running up and down were, the field. There were two long plays as well where Ed Dixon carried like half the Detroit secondary with him for 30 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it wasn't all inexcusable bombs. No, inexcusable defense uh, or lack thereof by the Detroit Lions. Yeah, the, that, the first that was, one that was, was atrocious. Cam zipped the slam pass to him and he just started bouncing off guys. And next thing you know, he got yeah. 64 yards. So it was yeah. at that point, the Lions should have known it was going to be a long day. The tight end. Yeah, not Greg Olson. The Greg Olson, Greg Olson replacement. Right, that wasn't Greg Olson out there bouncing off no. people. That was Ed Dixon. You got fucked by Ed Dixon. Well, his name is Dixon. 
Jesus Christ. All right, I guess you earned something for that one. Hey, hey! Uh, so, so what else stood out about? Oh, uh, so the one game that we uh, got correct, I, I guess we should hype that up. There's one whole game the one. in the entire week. Would that be in all of the Seahawks? Five. Would that be the Seahawks over the Rams? That would be the the Sunning game or the Big Brother game where the Seahawks yeah. found a way to to knock off the LA Rams. And guess what should have happened in that game? The, the Rams should have lost. The Seahawks, the, lost. Yeah, the, Seahawks <laughs> the Seahawks absolutely did not play a game worthy of winning at all. Cooper, the, the Rams, Cooper the Rams dropped the yeah. touchdown to win the game in the end zone. Yeah. Just straight dropped the ball. Yeah, and that and <laughs> the all-time greatest college wide receiver ever. <laughs> At least that's what they kept saying before the season started when, you know, on all these fantasy shows about what a huge fantasy study was going to be because he's like this all time, this and that in college. Uh, yeah. Do they it use a different football so in college? Cause that it, one was right there on his hand. It didn't help him so much uh, in this one, but that would have cost us a win in the picks. So thank you, Cooper Cup. Thank you. Uh, so the Rams. No, actually, and even even absent that play, though, the Rams didn't play terrible. Mistakes. The Rams. Oh yeah, the the uh, the muffed punt. I believe that was Tavon mm-hmm. Austin just completely gagging on a punt. Um, the drop in the end zone at the end of the game. Yeah, there's really bad mistakes that you would expect out of a young, inexperienced Rams team trying to, you know, jump up and do the, the punch the big brother in the mouth. And it was right there for them, and they just couldn't do it. And the Seahawks just sort of do what the Seahawks do and kind of slogged their way through uh, to a victory based on nothing more than just the their grit and guile and experience, I would say. They should not have won that game. No, they shouldn't have. That cup drop... Uh, killed off what would have been a great comeback drive to win the game by Jared Goff. So I continue to have to completely take my foot out of my mouth when talking about how terrible I thought Jared Goff was because uh, he's continued all year ever since getting a new coach, getting a coach that actually knows what the hell he's doing. Uh, He continues to uh, impress and and show flashes of, of having that quality that would make a quarterback be drafted number one overall, even though we both thought he was uh, comically overdrafted at the time. <laughs> yeah, and he was just total garbage last year. I mean, he certainly looked a lot better this all, year. The plays he had last year, I mean, some of the worst quarterbacking you've ever seen was what Jared Goff did last year, which which sort of makes me wonder. And I haven't looked in depth at the schedule for this weekend. But just knowing that we have a Rams-Jaguars game on Sunday, I hate to say there's a chance that could be a highlight game. Yeah, I don't know why Why not. Yeah, there's uh, that. that's two teams that have winning records. And if you're going to count up teams, uh, games where two teams have winning records, uh, you're not going to run into too many of those. You got one tom- uh, tomorrow night, and then we got yep. uh, New England, New England and the Jets. That's the game with two no. teams with winning oh, records, no. the Patriots and the Jets. Oh, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> How no. about that? 
Oh, we, we'll definitely be doing the Rams and the Jaguars. We're going to do 40 minutes on the Rams and the Jaguars just so we don't have to talk about the Patriots and the Jets. No, there's a couple of other games where both teams yeah. have winning records, the Packers and Vikings and also yeah. the Steelers and Chiefs. But if I came but, to you and said before the season started, hey, Dre, in week six, we're going to do the Jags and the Rams as a highlight game. You oh, would have please. done a spit take. <laughs> yes, I would have said that you're dropping acid or something. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, but <laughs> the, 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 the Jets and the Patriots, that's like, yeah. You talk about comically bad. That is not a good highlight game at all. They're not just both with winning records. They have the same record right now. They're both three and two. Three, uh, oh. And and if the Jets somehow manage to win that game and go four and two and, and be up in that division, uh, would they be up or would Buffalo still be uh, still have the better record? Maybe by by, by a half a game. Uh, yeah, because Buffalo's uh, three and two and. No, the Jets would be four and two. They'd be a half game over They'd the over the two. Bills. Yeah. They'd be up. God. After six weeks, the Jets could be in first place in the AFC East. I don't think we've I, gone that far. Reapers looking last year. <laughs> it's that type of season, though. You you said that it's just one of those goofy ass years, and that's it is. part of why it, it sure is. Because, you, you know, going into this game without even making a pick, you just go, ah, the Jets are junk. Right. But then the way this uh, year's going, so you go, bad. I don't know. I, I might want to look at this a little bit. I might actually not have so to pull up some stats. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the year to be just sitting there making snap decisions on teams. I think we've learned that now. Yeah, the uh, the Arizona Cardinals confused me as well, uh, just going back to uh, week five. And uh, the, yeah. the, the, their defensive backs aren't supposed to get lit up like that. What Carson Wentz did to some, are, criminal. Aren't, aren't they supposed to be good? I, I thought those Cardinals I, I thought DBs so. were, were good. I thought they were, but I, I suppose you're entitled to a bad game. But, my God, they just got whooped. Four touchdowns, 300 yards. They made Wentz look like he's going to be an all-pro. And you just said how unimpressed you are by the Eagles. I guess you didn't believe in that performance either. I have been just completely unimpressed with Carson Wentz going back to last year even. He started off well, very much like this year, starting off well, and just hit the wall. And that team was brutal for over the last 10, 11 games. So I'm just just hoping and praying that that starts here on Thursday night. Hey, but you know what's going to get the Cardinals back on track? 96-year-old Adrian Peterson. That's the answer. That's what they need in, in Arizona right now. I I guess that didn't work out so well in New Orleans there. Not quite, no. It was a, it was a bad fit from the start. Yeah, when Sean Payton's getting the – He's getting the stink eye from Adrian Peterson in the very first game on the sideline. You can yeah. pretty much see the writing on the wall at that point that that relationship yeah. is, is doomed. Or with, or the moment when Sean Payton realized that he had a better running back in Alvin Kamara. 
Yeah, let's get this guy no one's ever heard of some some PT over Adrian Peterson. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Peyton it, Sanders like, hey, Akuna Matata, get over here. You're in the game. <laughs> no worries. Uh, yeah, yeah, Peterson's lucky he didn't get his ass cut. If that's uh, if that's what Sean Payton really thought of him. So at least he gave him a soft landing spot. No, no, this is we're talking play. about Sean Payton, not Bill Belichick. Yeah, Belichick would have cut him after like week one. You're right. Or yeah. actually, Belichick, he may not have made it out of training camp with Belichick. Uh, no, no. Actually, Bill Belichick wouldn't have been stupid enough to acquire him. <laughs> well, that that may not be true. Didn't Bill Belichick invite Chad Ochocinco into, uh, on the team toward the end of his career? It, See if he had he anything left? The field? I don't know. I don't remember if he played a, 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 a down for the Patriots, but he was there. Belichick did let him on the team for a little while anyway. What I would have done was let Chad Ochocinco be on the team, but then make him wear 87. <laughs> Chad Ochociete? Said the, yeah. Just, just, just to spite him? That's right. Just to show yeah, him who's the ball? Spite him. Like, sorry, kid, the guy that's got 85, uh, we're not letting, him, not letting it go. So you got to wear 87, kid. Here you go, Ochocinco. We run things around here. We'll tell you what number you wear. You don't get the Patriot to way after the number. That's right. Patriot way, kid. Welcome to Beantown. Uh, those stinko teams that uh, we, we talked about, the Giants and played taps for them. That is yeah. definitely we, uh, a stinko team. And then, the, uh, uh, of course, the 49ers went 0-5. But I don't know how you feel about them, but – I think that I, I have confidence they're going to get a win somewhere along the way this year. That other yeah. 0-5 team, the Browns, I think you got to be on 0-16 watch for them right now because they look like they don't have a clue what they're doing. And, and they made a quarterback change. So after the uh, first game where Deshaun Kaiser almost beats Pittsburgh, that's gone off the rails and it's quite only the only in the way that Cleveland can. It, they talked about such hype and such promise after yeah. that first game. You went to Notre Dame. Dame. That's all they need to know. Who's the last then, good quarterback to come out of Notre Dame? Last good quarterback? Oh boy! Um, Thank you. Yes, the last. Who was the last good quarterback to come out of Notre Dame? Joe Montana. That would be correct. (laughs) I believe that is the a long time ago. It's not. It's not Brady Quinn. It's not Jimmy Clausen. It's not Rick Rick Meyer. It's not Deshaun Kaiser. The last good quarterback to come out of Notre Dame is Joe Montana. I only feel, I have a feeling that that's despite of the fact that he went to Notre Dame. Because of. (laughs) Not because. Uh, My home state Titans uh, did not overcome missing Marcus Mariota, which is a pick that you had over me. As bad as the Dolphins were playing, they were able to knock off the Titans with Matt Castle because Matt Castle was shit. You know, and the Dolphins only I, had 192 I, I, total yards and still managed to knock yeah, off the Titans. Yeah, they didn't. Titans. They didn't have to do much against Matt Castle, no. and I was really worried about. I didn't necessarily believe 
the news that Mariota was going to try to play. I, I thought of that as nothing more than a deception or some smoke and mirrors, you know, or little little skillduggery going on by the Titans there, uh, trying to throw the Dolphins off the scent of what was really going on, which was they were going to show up and not have to do anything and beat Matt Castle. No, I called it uh, on the show. I said that it sounded like some gamesmanship. Yeah. I, I knew he'd been in practice, but I just didn't imagine him playing. And, and sure enough, he didn't play. But geez, you you got to have better than that out of your backup quarterback. I mean, you. I know he's not going to come in and, and light the world on fire, but Castle's got to do better than that. That's just nothing. What he did out there was like basically nothing. He took all the weapons that the Titans have and that they've been trying to develop and just made them into a complete nothing. And when you do that, then that allows the defense to hone in on your running game and shut that down. And once that's shut down, you got nothing going for you. And that's pretty much what happened in Miami. Yeah. The Titans have to get everything done on the ground to open up the passing game. And when the other team has zero respect for the passing game and you've done nothing to show that you deserve it, all they have to do is focus on one part of your offense because the other part's going to do nothing. It didn't even matter that the Dolphins' offense was almost as bad. The key word there is almost. Almost. Yeah, that's almost, but not quite all the way. Uh, so what else about uh, week five did you, did you want to get to? I mean, we, you know, we were on the wrong side of a lot of games. So most of the other games that are out there, are ones that we did not see coming or we didn't do too, <laughs> didn't do too well with. So we've covered, we've covered a bulk of the action. Um, not sure if there's anything that's major um, that we've missed from this week. I'm not, I'm trying no, to think if there was one, one game that jumps out at me as something like, oh yeah, we got to. Yeah, talk about the you talked about the 49ers, and I do agree they, they they at least have fight. I will give them that. This isn't the 49ers teams of the last couple of years. The most notably, the team, uh, the Jim the Jim Tom Sula 49ers team. Ooh. You know, no. after, right after uh, everybody defected and excuse me and quit, uh, including the coach. Right. Everybody just retired and quit on the franchise. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to give Kyle Shanahan some some time with this. You know, I, it would be a shame if he's just one and done with this team. But I, I think they knew that they were going to stink this year. And you don't bring in the guy who's the offensive guru and not give him the quarterback. So 49ers are going to be atrocious. They'll get their quarterback. They'll buy the, the head coach a couple of years. And, you know, if there's anything there, you know, by 20. 20 we might be talking about the 49ers in in better terms but it's going to be lean um you, you see this where these teams they just don't have they just don't have much offensively and it's basically a, a team of cast offs and retreads that's really all that team is it's basically a team that's built to lose uh so you can get a good draft pick pretty much and then and on the, the other the browns side, oh, oh the browns went oh. with hogan this week at quarterback no idea who the hell this kid is or what he's all about <laughs> at all. I didn't even know there was a quarterback in the league named Hogan. So now that we've just made fun of him, he'll go <laughs> off this week. That happened all the time with, with Jake McCrown. We would make fun of him with the Browns, but then yep. he would go for 350 the next week. So 
Yeah, yeah I remember most notoriously your We just completely shredded. This is even back when we were before we were even on podcasts. We were just picking games. Um, we shredded somebody who was a backup for the Chiefs. I remember this. And just annihilated oh, this guy yeah. talking about the game. And he went off for was like Tyler Thigpin? I don't know, but he went off for like four touchdowns. <laughs> and just completely shoved it up our ass. It, yeah. it was, yeah, this is probably the 90s-ish time frame. It's a while back, but yeah. We've we've got a history, you and I, of making fun of a team starting a no-name at quarterback and then going a little too overboard, ripping on the guy. And those guys have a way, like Stony Case, you know, or one of those guys <laughs> just finds a way to come in and just shove it right up our rear ends. So I'll try not to make too much fun of Kevin Hogan. Yeah, no idea. No. I know who Chris <laughs> Hogan is. <laughs> And well, I know who my, Hulk. I know who Hulk, Hulk Hogan. I know who Hulk Hogan is. I don't think he's on the uh, field. I know Paul Hogan. <laughs> I know. I was about to say I know he's not on the field because he's dead. But no, I'm getting him confused with the the crocodile hunter guy. Crikey! No, that's that, that's yeah. No, I'm talking about the guy who's crocodile Dundee. Uh, right. yeah, yeah, you're I talking. Yeah, you're talking about the crocodile hunter. That was Steve Irwin. Ah. Yes. Yeah, I was I was almost there. I I, I stayed on yeah, for a all while. Those Australians, I, you know, they all look alike. Yeah, they're all the same. Yep. I was gonna say in the Indianapolis, the the Forty ers might have some hope in them. They get beat yep. in overtime by the Colts, and on the field about the Colts, all I want to say is very briefly, props to T. Y. Hilton. That son of a bitch is one of the best wide receivers in football. He just is. Doesn't matter who you throw out there at quarterback, he still gets open and he still makes plays. And he's just buried on that team right now. Yeah, just nobody around him. Is Andrew Luck still playing this year? Do we know what's going on with Andrew Luck? Is he going to – because I'm hearing nothing. You want to talk about the biggest star that's not playing that nobody's talking about. I told you he's week to week. <laughs> he truly is probable. Are you going to play? Probably. Mm-hmm. And then he just doesn't Probably. do it. <laughs> he just, does, he no, just doesn't dress. No, he's truly questionable. Yep. Was every week, is he going to play? I don't know. It's questionable. Yes, he might. They don't have doubtful. They still have doubtful? Not. I don't think they have doubtful anymore. They, they do not have doubtful anymore. He's just questionable. Because every Ugh. week, it's a question. So, T.Y. Hilton, amazing on the field. And then off the field in Indianapolis, probably the biggest news story to come out of the NFL this week was off the field where Vice President Mike Pence decides to protest a protest by protesting. Huh? I, oh. I'm not even going to. I'm not going to go in, go on about it all. It just, it's, it's such a silly publicity stunt. Yeah. I mean, I how many people, how understand. many people do you think are just done with this? Yeah. I mean, a lot. Uh, like I know I am just done with it. I'm just like, you know what? I don't care. I don't even put on the pregame, you know, just to keep, you know, I'm just, just watch my football and just be done with it. I really just, just get that out of here. You know, everybody's free to do what they want to do. If they want, you know, if people want to protest, people want to protest the protest or protest the protest of the protest of the protest, whatever. God, just go out and play some damn football. I think a lot of people had sort of let it 
died down and kind of forgotten about it, let their heads cool off about it before Pence pulled this stun and, and sort of ginned it back up again. So it's like, what are you doing? At, at this point, all you're doing is making enemies and making people who are mad about it mad all over again, as if you're trying to keep them mad about it. That's the only real purpose for me, as far as I'm concerned. Because when it's after they trolling, you, it's called trolling, serious. by the way. Uh, after Trump gets out of office, he's going to have a really good career in internet forum trolling. He can write in all caps. Yeah, he can write in all caps, you know. No, no, yeah, I guess he doesn't even bother doing it anonymously, but if somebody wants to pay him a lot of money to just flood forums with anonymous postings, he there's a job waiting for him. He's not going to make all his money on the, you know, on the, uh, doing the speech tour, you know, doing any of that. He's not going to have to make a half a million dollars for every speech. He's just going to have to pay him a whole boatload of money to just troll people. He would have to come up with new words, though, because he couldn't stay anonymous for too long. Because every tweet he has, <laughs> everything has either the word sad. "sad" or "tanking." That's, that's the all. That's the only two words he knows. So he'd have to mix that up well, somehow. You, but you could go on NFL chat boards and just say your team is sad and tanking all day long, and get people mad at you. What the fuck are you talking about? Fuck you! Yeah. No, I I think a, I think a whole lot of people were pretty much done with it, like you said, and until. Maybe they start ginning it up again. So it, at that point, you just go, okay, what are, what's the point? What are we talking about? Especially after the players keep telling you over and over and over again, it's not about disrespecting the flag. It's not about them. It has nothing to do with the military at all. They keep telling you that, and then you just want to hear what you want to hear and go, uh, they're disrespecting America. We, we've determined that that's exactly what they're doing, and we need to well, to have a problem with that. First of all, just given the whole state of you know popular opinion in this country, you don't want to come out and say that that is what you're doing. Even if that is what you're doing, don't be dumb and say that. So they're they're, they're doing mm-hmm. the right thing because they have to say that. They don't. They're not just saying it. They have to say that. You can't come out and be like, yeah, oh, you fuck the military. Oh boy, <laughs> fuck the flag. Oh boy. Well, they wouldn't say that because that's not what they're saying at all. No. But right. So people they're saying hear the right that. Thing. Because you can't say you can't take the other side of that at all. You could. I mean, I'd give I'd give all the props in the world to a guy who had the stones to come out and say that. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. No. No. I, even I don't have a problem with the military. It's you know I hate war and I hate the whole you know concept behind all the fighting. But I don't hate the military. I have no reason to hate the military. But yeah, it's it's just a big headache now. And if we're going to keep doing it, if, if Trump is just going to keep tweeting about that and, and Pence is going to throw in his two cents and, and send out pictures of himself from a game four years ago and claim that he's at the same game now and it's the exact same picture. Like, <laughs> I, I, I know you're not very bright, but really, this this is what you're doing now? Okay. So I, I just wanted the to bring it up. around of the, 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 the photoshopped picture of Michael Bennett burning the flag. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that. Uh, Which is so, I mean, it's just, it was, it was, if it wasn't so sad, it would be really funny that, that somebody actually got somebody to believe that somebody lit an NFL flag at an NFL live. You don't think these smoke alarms would be going off in there and they'd be evacuating the stadium? <sighs> Again, people just believe what they want well, to believe. People believe anything. People will believe anything. 
Good or bad. I've I've put on Facebook several times, and I and I continue to say Snopes.com is your friend. If you have something that is too good to be true, and you don't think it might be true, and you want to try to investigate it, Snopes.com does a lot of the work for you, and actually figures out a lot of this crap that's internet memes or whether some sort of rumors about a second shooter in Las Vegas, all this garbage that gets thrown out there by all these conspiracy theorists. Go to Stokes.com and get the the real deal, the actual scoop, as close as they can figure out uh, on what the actual truth is. A lot of these stupid rumors out here. Okay. (sighs) All right. Was there anything else on your mind? Not from this week. Not from that awful, awful week that we've had four and eight. Uh, so that puts me at forty-four, twenty-eight, and five, which is a six-eleven percentage, which is pretty awesome, but a far fall from the seven-twenty-seven percentage I had after week three. But I, I knew that wasn't going to stay up there. I, you just keep that. coming back. It just, I just, I just gotta wait you out. Just gotta come on, smoke you out here. You'll get back. You'll, you'll come back towards it. I know you will. Now, this week proves that you I, I absolutely had it in me, but you you were right there with me, so you. That's fine. As far as I'm concerned, you gained no ground. That's how I choose. Mm, to mm, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, we we we. I don't want to keep you all the rest of the uh, half hour that we have left in the after show, but I've had this uh, sort of social question that I've had for like a month and a half, two months now that I've been wanting to ask. So I I might as well get it out of the way since we do have a little time here. If you, if you think you're alert enough to a social uh, question, this uh, like kind of a social thing. Uh, No, it's uh, I don't even know why I, call it a social question it's really it's it has really nothing to do with society necessarily it's about your beliefs or something that you uh believe in or or support so it really doesn't have anything to do with social but it, it, it's it's a question directly to your taste and and your uh, uh oh you that sounds say. deep okay <laughs> um and what I probably should do is, is like ask the question first and then sort of get into how I uh, got to the questioner because I'm, I'm so long winded. I'll start talking about it and then forget to ask the question or whatever. So the, the question has been, I've had it written down here next to me for a month and a half, two months now. It's basically, is there anything out there? What do you refuse to support with your money or what do you, uh, or what would you say that you enjoy no matter what? Uh, and I guess this is stemming from some uh, a friend of mine on Facebook. This is way back when Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor were about to have that sham of a boxing match, right? <laughs> yeah. And so this friend of mine was posting on Twitter. She was asking the night of the fight, she was asking who's interested in this fight, who's actually ordering the fight, uh, because she couldn't imagine anybody ordering the fight, but it wasn't because of the fact that it was a sham fight. It was because of the fact of, of McGregor being a racist 
boorish piece of shit guy and Mayweather being a woman beating piece of shit guy uh, convicted you know, multiple convictions for uh, domestic violence. And she was wondering how could anyone choose to support that product? How could anyone put money in those guys pockets by ordering their boxing match because of how terrible of a, of a person those two guys are. Jesus, if that's and, the case, then nobody would vote. <laughs> that, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's one angle to take. Um, I responded back to her, I wasn't ordering the fight. It was not because of the personalities of the boxers, because it was a sham. Yeah. There was, there was, it was a boxer going against a kick fighter and there's, in, in a boxing match. And there was no reason for me to order that. But I responded back to her. I said, I'm a, an NFL fan. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of football players who are really, really, really disgusting, bad people. Mm -hmm. And I watch the NFL faithfully every week because I love football. It doesn't matter what kind of person is playing the games. And I'm always going to enjoy football. And I and a lot of other people, I would assume, feel the same way about football in, uh, specifically and about a lot of other things in general, which is I'm not going to deprive myself of something I enjoy just because of the personality of some or all of the people doing the entertaining. Uh, because one, A, right off the bat, number one, most important, I'm not going to deny myself something I enjoy for any reason uh, mm -hmm. if I don't have to deny myself. And two, it's not going to change them. No matter how many people don't order the fight, they're still going to be the same people. Conor McGregor is still going to be a racist piece of shit, and Floyd Mayweather is still going to be a woman-beating piece of shit. Nothing's going to change. So why would I deny myself? That's if I wanted to see the fight. I didn't order the fight because I didn't want to see the fight because it wasn't a fight. But that's my long-winded way of, of going into, is there anything out there that you just – I, you will not support it with your money at all for whatever reason. And is there things out there that you enjoy and you're going to enjoy no matter what? You know, that's tough because I've, I've never really been political about that. So it's never been something where all, oh, you know, somebody did something bad and they hawk a product and all oh, there, therefore the product is bad. So I'm never going to buy that product again. I've, ne I've never had, I've never had that level in it, you know, of interest or disinterest or so to speak of, of uh, going with my wallet in that direction. So it, I think we all make choices just based on like affordability and do I really need to be buying this and those types of decisions. I think I'm more practical when it comes to that. I've never really done it so much from my heart or from emotion, you know, or something along those lines. Or, or was an issue, you know, there's a, like a social issue and, you know, somebody disagrees with the social issue or I'm not on board with what's going on. So therefore I'm not going to buy that product or frequent that establishment. It, not, not really. I mean, there's a restaurant that's got good food and questionable politics. As long as the food's safe to eat, I still like it. I'm not going to deprive myself of the thing that I like. You know, or or shop in a store. You know, there's a whole the whole big deal last was it last year, or the year before about Target with the with the transgender bathroom thing and all these. Oh, we're not going to oh, shop at Target, and you know, you know what? I, Target's probably the we go to Target all the time. 
I didn't stop going yeah. to Target, you know, because, you know, I was worried that all of a sudden there was just going to be trannies going into all the bathrooms. I just, come on. You know, the options that I have in my area, are I can go into the nut house area over by where Walmart is, or I can go to Target, which is a little bit on the other side of town. It's in a quieter part of town. You got Target in the grocery store. That's about it. All right there. And, you know, you can go there. You don't have to fight the traffic. You don't have to fight the crowds or the crazies. You can just go over there and get your shopping done. And the prices are about the same and be done with it. And you're in and out of there really quick. Or I can go and fight the traffic to go over to the, the the mega Walmart, which is on this just gigantic shopping strip, you know. So that's you know, but all of a sudden that all comes up. It's like suddenly now I'm not going to shop at Target. I'm going to I'm going to blame the store, um, or blame or 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 impact, you know, my life and you know my habits and my convenience over something silly like that. No, I, I wasn't going to do that. So I guess in that point I am just strictly being a consumerist at that point. Just we are a consumer society and we consume. Yeah, I pretty much feel the exact same way. Um I, I think if there was something where there was a, a business that was just outwardly racist or, you know, just didn't care, then I probably would make sure to avoid that. Like if the CEO of McDonald's, whoever that might be, would just, you know, be caught on tape uh, that maybe he was one of the guys with tiki torches at the Charlotte, Charlottesville rallies or something like that. <laughs> I, might, sure. I might have to avoid McDonald's there'd, from that point then forward. Then there'd be a but, segment of the population that probably would go more. So that you'd have to remember that's going to get yeah, off. That's true. So McDonald's ain't right. going out of business, something like that. But also, though, because the politics of the person who runs the company might feel a certain way. Let's say that the, 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 we're not saying this, but let's say in theory that CEO of McDonald's was a horrible racist. That doesn't mean that you stop liking quarter pounders with cheese. True. You know, no. or you're on the road and you got to get something to eat quick. You're like, oh, man, no, I'm not going to go to McDonald's because nope. can't eat. The, the can't eat there. Nope. Can't eat there. No. Not going to do it. <laughs> no. I will hold personal vendettas against a place. There was a, a Mexican place here in town that like stole money from me. So I gave him a fifty dollar <laughs> bill, and they didn't give me back the right change. And then by the time I noticed it, they were like, "No, no, we don't have it." Uh, uh, I didn't go to that place for years, and I still won't pay cash. <laughs> there you go. That's that's one thing. That's something. Uh, I didn't go to that place we... for years, the, or the place where we had our rehearsal dinner. You were there, our rehearsal yeah, dinner yeah. for our wedding. Awesome restaurant. We loved the place, and we got some of the worst service, yeah. the slowest service. They had one waiter for a table of probably 30 people. And they didn't. And then they didn't bring us enough food, and it was totally unprepared. I wouldn't go back to that place for years. And even when my wife suggests that she still wants to go there, I know I annoy the hell out of her because I bring it up. I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, I remember that night. That was that was not fun, and you were not happy. No, no, not for what, not for the way that was all supposed to go down, and the way it was supposed to be set up. I mean, we had a lot of people there, and I mean, we showed up on time and we all sat there for probably an hour and a half before we saw any food 
So that's sort of a, that's a bad service. Uh, those those two examples yeah. were more bad service yeah. uh, protests. I tend, is, but that's but that's where I tend to, you know, think more of. Uh, I mean, you remember more what happens personally. Sure. I think then you know, like this whole thing going on in Hollywood right now with the, 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 the this casting couch scandal going on right now in Hollywood. Are people going to suddenly not watch those movies anymore because the guy who was the owner of the movie company was, you know, trying to sleep with all the girls that were coming? Like, this is a new thing in Hollywood anyways. He's just the guy who got caught. Um, Yeah, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, he's just the guy who got caught. That's all it is. He was was sloppy. He's just going to go down as a a low-rent Cosby here. Right, exactly. He might actually go to jail. (laughs) He might. They've got the goods on him. It sounds like. And when the people no, who are coming uh, out against you are famous, you've got a lot more dirt on this guy when it's like big Hollywood stars than it is with Cosby where he can just pull out the checkbook and be like, I didn't do nothing, right? Right. There you go. Right. Have some pudding pops. Yeah. Uh, um, that was part of uh, – that was a couple of my examples of not my personal um, – protest or or boycott but there are some movies uh there are some movie guys that i've thought of before the weinstein stuff happened of course many people can't watch woody allen movies uh, because after knowing that he fucked his stepdaughter and and married her and had children with her not illegal Uh, by the way not illegal but very morally reprehensible (laughs) morally reprehensible but not illegal Many people can't watch uh, Roman Polanski movies knowing that he's still avoiding prosecution for raping a teenage girl back in the 70s. Uh, yeah. So there's, they're out there. Um, in the music world, there's, uh, I had a, a long period of maybe, oh, I'd say probably 10 years or so where I couldn't hear a Michael Jackson song on a radio after, mm. and I, don't, I don't know how anyone could listen to Michael yeah. Jackson music if if you read the affidavits, if you actually read the the testimony of those kids sitting there talk, going in great detail, talking about him giving them Jesus juice out of the Jesus beer juice, the Jesus and, juice, and making them drowsy, and next thing they know, he's sucking them off. That's just if you read that, you really have a hard time enjoying Michael Jackson music. But I guess I got over it, and so now I I listen again because I enjoyed Michael Jackson's music. So. Uh, that protest didn't last very long, but a lot of people probably still can't listen to Michael Jackson music. A lot of people can't listen to R. Kelly music after finding out that he likes to piss on little girls. So they're out there. There's a lot of things out there that people make decisions sort of every day, on what they're going to support, what they're not going to support. And a lot of people are a lot more hardcore about it than others. And that's, that's pretty much for everything in society. A lot of people are more vigilant and hardcore about, certain things and than other people are i guess the closest i come personally would be um the wwf uh or now wwe uh under vince mcmahon you hear me talk all the time about watching the product online watching it on cable television you don't ever hear me talking about ordering the product and paying money to WWE. I can't make myself give money to Vince McMahon. And it's all because of how he portrayed black people in wrestling when I was a kid. 
in the 80s. And that's a long time to hold a grudge, but I'm still very, very upset at why he decided to play these stereotypes for all these guys that were pretty decent wrestlers. Some of them were not very good, but some of them were. But no matter what, if you had dark skin and you came into the WWF, chances are you were playing a stereotype. You were either going to be the uh, bad news brown, you could be the, the ghetto guy with the, they called it, he, his finishing move was a karate kick to, uh, behind the ear. They called it the ghetto blaster. Um, <laughs> they, That's true. Put him in, <laughs> put, oh, you remember bad news brown. Okay. I do. Um, yeah, they, they put him in a, in a black glove. I stereotyped oh, his character was. God. Put him in a black glove. They had him raise his fist all the time. He was a, he didn't really do anything a, to be a yeah, bad guy except even, he was big and black. This just isn't even in though a black issue with the WWF or WWE. I mean, you think they about a lot of other stereotypes, yes. A lot of stereotypes. There's stereotypes of every type of personality. You know, there's the like what we were like the iron chic. I mean, we had to have the you know, we had to have him. We had to have the Russian. I mean, the Mexicans are, they all sound like, you know, everybody, you know, they all have the heavy, thick um, accent, which these guys might not even talk that way normally. Everything is to the nth degree of stereotyping in in the WWE. If you've got white trash, they are going to be the biggest piece of shit piles of white trash you've ever seen on the face of the earth. Because it's because that that plays and we you know and you and you and you support that product. You don't support it yeah, by I purchasing do, the product, but right, I can't make myself pay money product. for it, but I still yeah. consume it. My wife is so turned off by it that she won't let me watch it in the same room with her. Uh, so that shows how wow. much she's against it. She will yeah. not let me watch wrestling in the same room with her. No, she's 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 not in on the joke then. She doesn't want to be in on the joke. <laughs> she chooses not to be in on the joke. That that it's a daily, it's a nightly uh, uh, conversation. She, if she's through watching whatever she wants to watch, she'll turn to me in a very sweet voice of hers and go, "You can watch whatever you want. No wrestling." <laughs> like, okay. So wow. If I want to watch wrestling. I gotta, I gotta go in the other room. I mean, but... what? Because it's because it's demeaning to every group and especially women. Yeah, that too. Oh, she's probably more about the uh, she even more angry about the, the, the sexist. She missed the phase when it was really bad. I, I think they've actually toned it down with regards to women a lot over the she over the last the hot decade. decade. Yeah. Not even that, but just the, when, the, when before they really had the women in on the wrestling, just uh, all of the uh, domestic violence. It, going on in the ring <laughs> that we had. This was probably in the yeah, it had to be probably early 2000s, mid-2000s when it got really bad. I mean, when they, when they were starting to really get a, a reputation for the way that they were treating women as being so terrible before they realized, let's just have the women beat each other up and treat each other bad because, you know, we kind of come to expect that from women. Yeah, the, there's, there's no doubt. It's been very bad the way they portrayed women and and uh, a lot of uh, ethnic groups. I, yeah, I, can, I can't every speak for ethnic group. I, well, I can't speak for all the other ethnic groups. I just know what I feel when I watch the the worst of of 
black people be displayed by the WWF. And specifically, the one that I still was reeling about was, and this is even, this might have even been back when I still was not smart about wrestling. I still kind of thought it was real. But they took a guy named Tony Atlas, who I... Like three weeks ago, right? Yes. Uh, They took a guy named Tony Atlas, who was, you know, Mr. America, big, strong guy, uh, terrible wrestler in the ring, right? But still got over, still was popular down in Texas and, and, and several other territories, just because of how his physique looked and, and he had a decent smile and they took this guy near the end of his career. And he obviously was doing this because he needed the money and he needed the work. But all of a sudden you look up on your screen and here's this guy literally chucking a spear down to the ring and (laughs) with, with the African headgear and everything. And they called him Saba Simba. And you can look at his face and tell it's Tony Atlas. It's not even, they're not trying to hide his face. They're not trying to put him in makeup or anything. It's obviously Tony Atlas. They just decided that he needed to be from deepest, darkest Africa, chucking a spear and calling himself Saba Simba. I don't care about all the other ethnic uh, personalities and all this other, that was disgusting. That was distasteful to me. And I will never forget that as long as I live. You don't have to call the guy Saba Simba and have him chucking a spear. You can call him Tony Atlas and have him lose every match if you want. If you just want to give the guy a job, you don't have to demean him and humiliate him like that. That was ridiculous. So that's why I can't really pay money to, to Vince McMahon as long as he's alive, because he's the guy I know was in charge of stuff like that. And, and that just is over the top disgusting to me. That's some stuff right out of Bugs Bunny right there. Pretty much. Pretty much. But that was um, also in the 40s. Right. This is 1987. <laughs> I guess we weren't so, you know, culturally uh, advanced um, back in 1987, well, as we would like to think. That's, you know, that's 30 years ago. Yeah, I know. And then today, the NFL and the way – now, you would hear – I guess certain presidents of of the United States and and other members of of his cabinet tell you that you might want to consider boycotting the NFL because of all these Negroes taking a knee and and disrespecting the flag and disrespecting America. On the other side of that, not being talked about by a lot of these networks, there has been, I've heard about it and I've read about it on social media, there's been people that would want black people to protest the NFL uh, the other way because of the fact that Colin Kaepernick does not have a job and the other way. And that's one of those deals where as much as I understand the anger behind Colin Kaepernick, not having a job because it's not fair that Kevin Hogan and Blake Bortles and all these other fuckers have jobs and Colin Kaepernick doesn't. Uh, I'm not boycotting the NFL. That's just dumb. Give me a break. Uh, I love football. I'm watching football every week. I enjoy it very much. Even if I didn't host a podcast about football, I would be watching football every week. So that's one of those things where I don't have too many things where I refuse to support it uh, because of my political beliefs. The WWE and, and Vince McMahon, I guess that would be the one thing. But 
a lot of this other stuff, no, I'm not denying myself something that I enjoy just to make a political statement because it doesn't really help anything. And I will be depriving myself of something that I like and I don't feel like. Yeah, it was it was back during the second or third week of the preseason. We had some uh, some Black Lives Matter people that were suggesting that they shut down the uh, the Falcons game at the new stadium on the mm-hmm. seven. You know, when they opened up the new stad, that that never came to fruition. But that was you know that was sort of the, that. Whenever I hear about this, that's sort of what I, I, I sort of hearken back to. Was yeah, this the the speeches about that and any of the you know, sort of groundswell towards people saying, well, you should boycott from, from, from one side or you should boycott from the other side. Um, definitely, definitely has its roots somewhere else. This isn't a recent thing. No. And the fact that Jamel Hill suggested that people might want to boycott the Cowboys uh, because of Jerry Jones saying that it's going to be mandated that everyone stand for the anthem and Jamel Hill getting suspended from ESPN for suggesting that that that's that's really silly right there. Uh, was that a makeup call? Way... Do you think that that was one yeah. where they they sort of yeah that yeah, was totally they, a makeup call right? Okay. They got a lot they of let her off from the hook. The, they yeah they the let Trump her off the hook the first and, time. Yeah, they let yeah. her off the hook the first time for what she said and got you know you know right for right or for wrong. You know, it was probably you know for somebody who was an on-air personality, it's like you know, I, you know, she's still free to say it, but if she's you know making the she's hurting the brand image, then they're also within their rights to suspend or terminate or do whatever they want to do. So it's it, it, there's there's both sides to it uh, when it comes to that. So yeah, she didn't get in trouble for the first one. You and I talked about it a lot. We're like, okay, you know what? They let it go. Although we've seen people in the past suspended for much less. And then I yeah. guess the second with the second one they're like ah okay this time you we got to get you. one is a lot gonna, if we're going to suspend Tony Kornheiser for saying that uh, someone looks like she's uh, like a tube uh, a tube sausage I believe is what he called uh, <laughs> oh god who was that he said that about pretty sure that was Hannah that Storm of, yeah but he was yeah it's because right, because she was um, when she made her debut I believe it was on ESPN she was dressed a little too tightly. Just and he said that she looked like a, a tube sausage that was about to pop. <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> That's all. And he got suspended. <laughs> and he got suspended. So, yeah, no, this is when, when it's starting to become overtly political and it's starting to hurt your show. I don't know if they're I don't know what the ratings are like. I don't know how that that show that she she hosts is doing uh, ratings wise or any of that. But that, you know, if, if it's down, that would be an opportune time also to to give the suspension as well. I, aha, look, we showed her. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I don't think that's going to wind up working out for Jamel Hill and ESPN. I can't, I, I, I don't know how she could go back to work for a place that was suspended for something that innocuous. I mean, what she said the first time was way harsher than yes. Suggesting that people might want to boycott the Cowboys—that's that's that's why I think this was that's why I think this was the makeup call. I think that this time they're like, okay, now we almost have to because we didn't, and if we don't, it's just going to keep getting worse. Yeah, that's that's just ridiculous. So they're in they're in a real bad situation now, as far as I'm concerned, ESPN. Because if you set that precedent, you're going to suspend everybody. Because yeah. 
hardly anyone well, is going to have matter. any there's nobody, opinion There's nobody anything. left over there. There's nobody left. They still They're have firing Tim everybody. <laughs> that, that might be they, about yes, it. They are going to, they are going to have – I don't want any racial tones to this. They're the most bland, vanilla network. <laughs> They're going to – you know – they're not going to be the 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 booyahs anymore. Or there's going to be no personality left over there because everything has been sort of just sort of sucked dry, and everybody else is going on to other jobs and flourishing. ESPN is is still the leader, I guess, but they're they're definitely languishing. I mean, look at look at this MLB playoffs right now. They're getting none of this action. Yeah, they bowed out of the landing wars, so they're letting TBS and Fox yeah. uh, get all this. Yeah, and baseball is fairly healthy as a, as a sport right now. You look at the playoffs. Playoffs have been never made more money. Major market. You get think about from the sport. We're not talking about this part at all. But you've got L.A., New York, Chicago, Boston, Houston. I mean, you've got major, major cities all in the mix and playing right now or or had been playing. I mean, major markets all across the country. Baseball cannot be loving this any more than they are right now. Yeah, everyone talking about baseball dying. Baseball's never made more money than they are right now. Baseball is not dead at all. I don't know who was singing the... You know, the death of baseball. I know it was pretty dark after the, the steroid era, but they, they've got a pretty good thing going on right now with baseball. I mean, they've had some, you know, last year, they had the Cubs last year. I'm sure that got some juice back in it again, um, especially, you know, that fan base being part of it, <laughs> you know, seeing something like that. I'm still riding high. I mean, if they could lose tomorrow, it's like, ah. <laughs> I'm good for a one while. One. Really, I'm, I'm good. I'm good for a little while. I don't have to win it every year. People don't realize the life of a Cub fan. We're, a lot of us are just, we got one. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, my one final point about Jamel Hill. The precedent being set, I know there's a lot of other examples out there, but if anyone is so inclined to go follow uh, Michelle Beadle, on Twitter and look at some of the stuff she has said politically and tell me how what Jamel Hill said is worthy of a two week suspension. And some of the stuff Michelle uh, Beadle is saying is not worthy of that. That's just crazy. You you've set this precedent. Now, anyone that says anything remotely negative about the president or his administration or any impact that they're having on society is subject to suspension now because you've fallen in with these, idiots who support Trump and you've decided that what they're saying is so important that now we got to make up, do the makeup call and suspend Jamel Hill for this. Uh, I can't imagine Jamel Hill coming back and working for ESPN. And I can't imagine this precedent going well for ESPN. It, the whole thing just completely stinks as far as I'm concerned. It, it stunk from the beginning.
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.